Hey, I'm Kim Forrester and welcome to Eudaimonia, the podcast that is all about flourishing. More than just the mundane or pleasure and pain, Eudaimonia calls for us to create a good life. It's about fulfillment, inspiration, joy. So plug in, relax and get ready for the goodness as we explore the characteristics and daily practices that can help you, your loved ones and your community flourish. Can we truly live an inspired life when we allow ourselves to get stuck in a rut? Or do we all need a little bit of adventure in order to thrive? Carrie Miller is an avid traveller, storyteller and award-winning professional writer. She writes primarily for National Geographic and is a contributing editor at National Geographic Traveller magazine. Carrie just released her first book, 100 Dives of a Lifetime, The World's Ultimate Underwater Destinations, and she has recently returned to New Zealand after a continuous 14-month assignment for National Geographic, where she and her husband travelled the world exploring the world's best dive travel destinations for an upcoming book. Now, it's my absolute pleasure to be chatting with Carrie today to talk about the importance of adventure and to learn why stepping out of our comfort zone is a vital component in an inspired life. Carrie, it's an absolute delight to have you here on the Eudaimonia podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Kim. I'm really excited about this particular discussion. Now, you wanted to work for National Geographic from about the age of nine. Did you have a sense of adventure even at that tender age? Um, I had a sense. I loved exploring. I loved exploring in the woods. I loved exploring. Um, I did a lot of horseback riding when I was a kid, and I, I think I had a, a permanent case of round the corner itis, where I always wanted to see what was around the next bend. But I also hated being away from home. I hated sleepovers. I loved traveling with my family, but I didn't like sleepovers. I didn't like overnights anywhere. So. You know, my mom in particular is is quite shocked at my chosen profession and <laughs> how I turned out. <laughs> I think that sense of yearning and adventure came from reading, from reading National Geographics when I was a kid, Jack London, Peter Pan, Mark Twain, um, Ernest Shackleton South, all, all of, I read as much as I could when I was a kid from, and, and just everything I could get my hands on. And that really opened up the world to me and, and made me want to see more of it. I actually love that though. So what you're saying is that a sense of adventure, a sense of daring can actually coexist with a, with a need to sort of stay close to home or be comforted. That was your experience as a child, obviously. It's my experience now. My husband and I just traveled the world for 14 months on a continuous assignment for National Geographic. Um, and we were in a, basically a new country every week. So it was a very challenging assignment, uh, very rewarding, but very challenging. And true to form, whenever I'm on assignment, I dream of home. I dream of a routine. I dream of my bookshelves, of, of cooking, of feeding birds, of going for walks. And when the minute I get home and get settled in, I dream of where I'm off to next. So I definitely think there can be this coexistence of a love of adventure and a love and appreciation of home life uh, existing in the same soul. I wonder how many people then, Carrie, actually forego adventure in their life 
life because they don't realize that it's not a complete absence of needing security. What is it that takes you beyond that love of security and comfort and pulls you into the adventure? Well, I think I think there are two common misconceptions about adventure. The first one is that adventure needs to be extreme. We, when we think of adventure, we think of climbing Mount Everest. We think of whitewater rafting. We think of throwing ourselves out of perfectly good working airplanes. And uh, we think that that's what constitutes adventure, but it doesn't. Adventure is anything that takes you beyond your comfort zone. And we all have our individual comfort zones, both, I think, kind of naturally ingrained and learned. So stretching that comfort zone, however you want to do it, um, is an adventure. So for some people, that might be training to run a 5K. For some people, it might be traveling solo for the first time or living in another country for a month. For other people, it's climbing K2. And you can stretch that sense of adventure as you get more comfortable with it. So you might start out traveling solo and then you might eventually... Um, shift, you know, to, to traveling to more extreme destinations or things like that. So you can, you can, uh, a sense of adventure is a very elastic thing. You can grow that. The second misconception is that adventure is this kind of smack bang thing that happens to you. And it's true that there are plenty of adventures that you find yourself in, like a story springing up around you. But most adventures you can and you should prepare for. You train, you learn, you practice. And any adventure will tell you that the journey is the the heart and soul of the experience. It's not the actual activity. It's the whole process. So, you know, mountaineers don't just want to stand on the top. It's the training to see if you're capable of getting up and back safely. It's the work you put in. It's the early morning exercises. And, you know, parenting one of the world's greatest adventures. And I'm I'm sure a lot of parents (laughs) would like to fast forward from having a baby to having a happy, well-rounded 20-year-old. But that's not the victory. That's not the achievement. The journey is the struggles, the ups and downs, the small victories, those almost imperceptible moments. And and that's what makes it worthwhile when you finally do get to that happy, well-rounded 20-year-old. You know, my, my sister says that you know, the, the days are a year long and the years are, are feel like a day. And, and that's, that's exactly what adventure is. You know, it's this whole kind of journey and process. And that's where the self-discovery, and that's what's rewarding about it. So I think that, you know, kind of that finding and accessing that inner sense of adventure, you have to understand, first of all, what adventure is. And, and that makes it much more accessible to a, a wider group of people. To, it's basically accessible to everybody. So let's take that process that you were just talking about there. And are you have said that a mountaineer works towards getting to the top of K2. For some people, it might be that their ultimate aim is to actually just travel through Asia. And it seems to me that there are ways that even those who are less adventurous or less confident in their adventuring can actually work towards whatever their ultimate aim is. I live in Singapore and we joke that Singapore is Asia light. It's a great, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> it has a sense of Asia to it. You obviously know that you are in Southeast Asia, but it's very clean and very efficient and very safe and everything works. Do you feel that those whose goals are not quite mountaineering, but perhaps just traveling solo somewhere, do you think that they they can also benefit from taking small steps to get out of their comfort zone. I think that's the absolute best way to approach it. Like I said, it's this ongoing journey. There's no end point to it. So you start small. So for example, let's say you want to travel solo, but you've never traveled solo before in your life. Uh, There's a couple of good places to start. One, you could start in your own country. 
So you oh. take a trip someplace in your own country that where you've never, uh, someplace you've never been before. But so the surroundings are familiar, but the experience is different. So that allows you to stretch your legs a little bit. Another opportunity would be to join a group tour where you don't know anybody. So you're you're joining, say, uh, a wildlife safari tour or a cycling tour of Italy or something like that, where you are, for all intents and purposes, traveling solo because you're showing up and not knowing a single person. But in a group setting, you will have some structure. You will have someone to rely on if you run into trouble. You will be able to um, meet people because you'll get, uh, you know, by default, you'll get to know your group. And then from there, then you can start to say, okay, well, those experiences went really well. So now I'm going to try traveling to a country, um, again, that's maybe a little bit more familiar, like Singapore, which is Asian mm. light. And then, then maybe you can say, okay, Thailand, Vietnam. All right, now I'm ready to go into China and see what that's yeah. all about. So you take it little step by step. And the same thing with more adventurous activities. Um, I was always afraid of flying, not not paralytically afraid of flying, but I was always really uncomfortable flying. And I wanted to knock that on the head because I, I fly a lot for my for my job. <laughs> so, um, so I learned to fly glider planes. So first things first, I went up in a, a, an introductory flight. Um, and then I did two years of training and before I went solo. And, and it was a step by step process for me so that as I got more comfortable to and became, you know, became more normalized for me. So you can do that with everything. I want to come back to discomfort zone. You mentioned it before. And I think what we're talking about here is stretching the discomfort zone. So has your relationship with your discomfort zone changed over time? Have you just got braver at stepping out of it? Or has the discomfort zone stretched to accommodate your adventures? I think I've... I've learned so much about myself and I've always um, I've always wanted to see what the world has to offer. But I'm, I'm actually a, a fairly introverted person, but I've had to travel solo for most of my life, about 20 years, because that's my job. And that involves I have to plan the trip. I have to be on the trip. I have to be meeting people. I have to be introducing myself. I have to be finding stories. And that's not going to happen if I don't get it done. So I've taught myself to be extroverted. And that to me is is quite an adventure. So I've had to learn and I've had to stretch and I, I, I will go and I'll have these conversations with people and I'll introduce myself and I'll do interviews and then I will walk away and I will beat myself up <laughs> water about, about saying something stupid or putting my foot in it. But the reality is, is that that's me putting that pressure on myself. And as I try more adventurous things and, and visit more adventurous places, you learn. You just learn by experience. One of the biggest things to learn is, is not only what to say yes to, but what to say no to. So, for example, I recently learned to scuba dive. And this whole project with my husband that we we did for the past year was diving in all of So I went from not knowing how to scuba dive to diving in a new country every week. And I had to get really good at saying you know what, this is beyond my skill level. This is beyond what I'm capable of coping with at the moment. So no, I'm not going to do it. My husband is a, is a very good diver, very capable diver. But if I was in a situation that I felt uncomfortable, then I'd just say, no, I'm not ready to do that yet. So learning what to say yes to and what to say no to is part of that elasticity and that learning process as well. And learning to assess the situation to decide what's the best way to approach a particular for adventure. So for example, a good friend of mine hiked up Mount Stromboli a week before it erupted. And he's he's an amateur caver and an amateur mountaineer. And one of the first things I asked him when we touched base to make sure that he 
you know, he was safe and not on the mountain at the time was I said, did you, did you track your escape routes before you went up? And he said that he did, because if you do these things enough, you don't become complacent. You don't just assume that the guide is going to take care of you. You're aware of the fact that the world can react in very unexpected ways sometimes. And so you kind of envisage a worst case scenario and think about what am I going to do if the worst happens and you plan for it. And nine times, 10 times out of 10, it doesn't happen. But that the one percentile chance that something does happen, you're not frozen with panic. You've thought about it, you've prepared for it, you've just even just mentally worked through it. And I think that the more you get out into the world and start to do things, the more you just kind of naturally start to do behave that way. And that's very helpful as well. It seems to me that travel and adventure is a wonderful way to get to know who we are and what we're capable of finding those limits, which is what you were talking talking about there. So you've learned a lot about yourself as you have gone on your adventures. What have you learned about the world? Oh, I, it, travel for me always gives me such a wonderful outlook on the world. It's I, I actually get more pessimistic and more cynical when I'm sitting at home. And I, I, I think that social media definitely feeds into this, that you start to get this kind of really jaded viewpoint on the world. For me, what I've learned through travel is that the world is a remarkable place and a fragile place and it's worth protecting. There's so many wonderful things, more things than we could ever imagine. And there's certainly more that unites us than divides us. People are remarkably similar no matter what their backgrounds. Um, we all want to earn a little bit more than we spend. We want to have a home. We want education and healthcare for our children. We want to be happy. And I've met so many amazing people from so many different walks of life. And it really drives me crazy when I hear talk about Muslims, immigrants, racism, mm. sexism, homophobia, because we don't choose the country we're born into. We don't choose our skin color, our sex, our parents. It's all a bloody lottery. And yet some people act as if it's this achievement and use it as a, as a way to see themselves as better or more important than others. And, and that's not the case. And I think that there's a real leveling effect and a real bond that you get. You know, I've had so many more people help me out of bad situations than, than bad situations happen when I'm traveling. Um, and always when you need somebody to step up and lend you a hand, somebody always shows up, even if you don't speak the same language, even if you're from a completely different background. Mm. And I always come back completely energized and ready to fight harder for the world at large <laughs> after I go out traveling. Well, that seems to me like a really powerful, inspiring reason to sort of step out of the discomfort zone and start going adventuring a bit more. But let's take that one step further. You were talking there about it's more likely that people help you than things go wrong. But have you ever actually been on an adventure that you regretted? Have you ever been in a position where perhaps it was too intense or too dangerous? And then what did you learn from that experience? I think regret's a very strong word. I've, I've certainly found myself in situations I don't want to be in, um, either by happenstance or by pushing myself a little too hard or too fast. Um, and you And you always learn from them. And that's where that preparation comes in into place because usually accidents happen about seven steps back. And so if you if you put in the practice then and the training, then you can start to identify it before it goes too far rather than than finding yourself in a really uh, dangerous situation. Um, I think the main thing to think about is, is there's a there's a lot of quotes about adventure that I like, but one of them is the ship is safest when it's in port, but that's not what ships are built for. Mm. We have to remember that 
we're, we're called to explore, we're called to be out in the world. And, and whatever you might believe, the only thing that we know for certain is that we have this lifetime, this one lifetime with these people on this planet. And that's it. And it's such a short moment of time. And we need to make the most of it. We all have to work, we all have to pay taxes and do the rest of it. But adventure and, and exploration and travel, that's the stuff that makes, you know, life worth living and filling in. And so these moments when you find yourself perhaps in over your head a little bit, yes, of course, they do happen. But to be perfectly honest, I have had more close calls driving to the shops than I have in <laughs> 20 plus years of traveling. So and, and it's just important to put that into context. I, I think the shop driving is the familiar thing to people and the getting to trouble someplace overseas or in an experience that they're not used to is the foreign and we're always more afraid of the foreign than the familiar. So it, I think that that's what kind of triggers that feeling of maybe hesitation or fear. So I want to take a moment to talk to the parents who are listening to this podcast right now and those who have got children who, and I think most children have a sense of adventure to some point, but for parents who have daring adventurous children, what is your advice to the parents regarding how to balance the need for safety and the need for adventure in their children's lives. I think the most important thing is not to quell it. It's to to encourage it, but to focus it. So you know, they they might be really adventurous. Uh, say that the climbing over everything. So get them some training, get them some education, take them to a climbing gym, help them pursue that passion, but help them to learn how to assess their limits and how to be safe about it. Uh, with the help of an expert, or if they're just kind of adventurous in general, then outdoor camps and travel and all this kind of stuff, they're, they're great ways to take that love of exploration and that curiosity and feed it and and encourage it, but also do so by helping them to get some uh, get some skills so that they know how to cope with it. And also to learn that things do have consequences. You don't want to consequence the, the sense of adventure right out of them, but they need to know that there are there are consequences for pushing your limits or if you if you don't adhere to safety. You know, that's a way that parents can kind of help that. I, I definitely think feeding it, but but again, giving it some focus, giving it some direction. And, and sometimes outside people are, are better able to do that than the parents themselves. For non-adventurous kids, helping them to learn to gently stretch their boundaries is really important mm. to show that you can stretch yourself little step by step and take it at your own pace. And that's just fine. But I think one of the most important things parents can do as far as adventure goes is teach their kids that there are different senses of adventures. Um, you'll notice this if you take your kids traveling. For example, one kid might be completely comfortable on a zip line and be, mm -hmm. you know, the first one on and the first one down the line and whooping away. And the other kid might be really hesitant about it. Um, but that child, for example, might be more adventurous in standing up and getting involved at, uh, in a cultural performance or participating, you know, like in a, in a dancing class or cooking class or putting their hand up and answering a question. And sometimes I think those different sense of adventures, uh, you know, can kind of be a little bit critical of the other. And it's important for for parents to help show their children that that there are different senses of adventure and there's oh, there's so many different kinds of courage out there and to teach them to see it and appreciate it in others um, that this this child has a sense of empathy and it wants to uh, you know help 
replant coral to save the reef and this one mm. wants to try scuba diving and this one wants to you know so there's all these different kind of different directions and different kinds of courage and, and to encourage them to uh to, to see that in others and not see it as a weakness but see it as a, a different kind of strength as you're talking there it occurs to me that i think we have a couple of misconceptions about the world a couple of misconceptions that have we have adopted the first one is we have huge misconceptions about the world about different cultures different faiths and and different looking faces. I completely agree with you that I believe that the information that we're given through the media and through common our common psyche is often misguided. The second thought that I have, though, is that maybe we're also misguided in terms of independence and risk-taking. Do you feel that the world has become a little bit more mollycoddling of children and ourselves? And do you feel that we need to become more independent and more able and willing to take on on challenge in order to live more inspired lives? Well, I, I think I, I'm sure that this is a common theme that you've come across with your guests before is that the world is very adept at saying no. No is the easiest thing to say. And you'll see it all the time on Facebook. Somebody will post something and then there's a raft of snarky <laughs> comments to follow um, as opposed to, to seeing, seeing the courage that it takes to live life um, on your terms to put yourself out there to try things, saying no is the easiest thing in the world. It's the easiest thing in the world to stay indoors and, and, and never put a foot out there, never take a chance. Like, for example, music. I caught myself doing something where I used to say, oh, I hate this song. And then I thought, you know what? Somebody actually probably put their heart and soul into putting that music out there. And somebody out there is somebody's favorite song somewhere in the world. That's somebody's favorite song. So rather than I hate this song, it's not for me. It's just, it's not my taste and that's fine. But I appreciate the effort that somebody did putting it in there and putting it out there because that takes guts. It takes guts to create something, put it out into the world. And most people, most people don't ever actually do that with their life. So rather than sitting there, you know, attacking people for trying new things or naysaying it, you know, if you say, oh, I'm thinking about doing a solo trip to Vietnam and your coworkers say, oh, my God, why would you want to do that? Oh, you know, I had a friend who was robbed in Vietnam and all that. You know, that's the easiest thing in the world to say, actually doing it. Um and, and, and giving it a try, that's that's where the courage kicks in. And you won't ever, ever go amiss by trying something. Um, you know, Jack London has a wonderful quote where he says, the proper function of man is to live, not to exist. I shall not waste my days in trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. And I have that right here on my wall next to me to remind me of that. Of, because it's, it's absolutely true. The proper function is to live, not to exist. And to live takes courage and it takes action and it takes guts and it takes a lot of energy. And it's really easy to turn around and just float downstream. But that's not what we're built for. That's not mm. what we're designed to do. And I think that probably, you know, on the one hand, it's never been easier to explore than it is right now. And there's still so much to explore. The oceans is a perfect example. So, you know, 70% of our planet is covered in ocean and only five to 20% of that is, is, uh, has been explored, I think. So we know more about space than we do about our own oceans. Yes. So there's, there's, there's so much to see and do out there. You just have to have the courage to, to go and try and to tune out everyone who's telling you that you can't do it, including your own inner voice, which is, is kind of, I think, a learned thing from everything around you. That was precisely what I wanted to talk about. I'll share a little story. When I was 20, I went bungee jumping. I have a terrifying fear of falling. <laughs> I, I can stand on a tall building. You don't ask me to jump off a one meter tall diving board. 
so I made myself go bungee jumping in New Zealand. And Good for you. <laughs> but <laughs> what happened was they were doing the countdown, you know, five, four, three, two, one, and then I was supposed to jump. But they got to three. They went five, four, three, and I thought, I'm not waiting until the end. I'm not waiting until I'm pressured to do so. So I just leapt at three. And in that moment, I had to switch my mind off. I knew that in order to do it, I had to just shut down my inner dialogue and I had to take action into the yes without thinking, without overanalyzing. Do you feel that it's important for people to understand that when we step out of our comfort zone, when we step into adventure, there are going to be times when we're simply not truly ready to do so it's not going to feel comfortable to do so how important is it sometimes to just shut down that inner voice and take action uh, that's a great story. Um, I really love that. That inner dialogue, first of all, we're incredibly hard on ourselves. I, I am very, very hard on myself, and it's an ongoing struggle that I have all the time. And I think that that dialogue is somewhat of a muscle memory, where if you, you the more that you're able to shut that down, the easier it becomes to do that. Mm. Um, and your sense of like, at some point, you just have to jump off the diving board. Yes and no. To some, it just dep- it depends on the experience. So, for example, if you're going to go climb, if you say I, I want to climb a mountain, I'm going to go climb two. That's not a good time to jump off the diving board because you need training, preparation, practice to keep yourself safe. To say I'm going to go travel solo this year, yes, do it. Book a trip. And then right. you sort it out, you know, then you sort yeah. it out, then you go into the, the preparation, you learn about the country, you go, but the trigger's been pulled, you're ready, and you know, that the adventure is happening, you're going. And sometimes it's just better to just do that. And then say afterwards, say like, okay, I'm doing this, here we go, I'm off, I'm, <laughs> we're, we're going, you know, so it's kind of finding that particular balance about, um, and then again, as you get more comfortable, you get better at pulling the trigger in some things and um, and some things you still need to, to talk yourself into. So being your own cheerleader and saying, okay, right, I can do this. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wait till one. I'm going to go now. That was you taking kind of ownership of that adventure and doing it on your terms. And sometimes that's a really important way to go. Now you've settled in New Zealand. Yes. Um, with all of the traveling that you do, how does having the right home base factor into your ongoing adventures. Is it important for us to take care of our comfort zone and to actually nurture that space that we come back to in order for us to go and enjoy the adventures that we need to in life? I think you can have an adventurous home base from anywhere. And um, I actually moved around New Zealand a a lot. i Every two years or so, I seem to be uplifting and moving to a new place. And every time I kind of settle into a new place, I uh, do. I spend a weekend doing some homework where I research all of the adventures that are nearby, whether it's mm. uh, this this overnight hike, uh, river jet boating experience, or um, there's a horseback riding experience over here, or I can go uh, cross country skiing over here, and I make a list. And the first year that I'm living in the place, I try to tick off uh, one a week or two a month, depending on the size of, you know, the adventure, the commitment it takes. Because there's there's something to be said about exploring your own backyard. Mm-hmm. There are so many adventures that we can have just within our day-to-day routines. I think where people get caught up is the weekend comes around really quick and you think, okay, well, sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming to think of uh, what might be what might be in front of you. So if you have a list going, then you can look at it and say, actually, 
cross-country skiing sounds fantastic this weekend. Weather's playing ball, so let's do that. And then you're off and, and you know, you're, you're making the most of your time. And I think that you can, you know, New Zealand is obviously ideal for adventuring and exploring, but I think that you can do it from, from any home base anywhere around the world. I think the more important point of your question was having a home base that is nurturing to yourself. So why that might not necessarily be the country that you live in or your, your, your city surrounds. I think it's more about creating that space for yourself that you find inspirational, whether it's the pictures on your wall um, of friends of adventures that you've had in the past. So you look over and you're immediately reminded of a feeling um, you're playing music that, that inspires you. You're reading books that inspire you. I keep little quotes up around on my office space that I always am reminded of the feelings and the words that, that kind of make me stretch internally that make me make me want to aspire to something more having that kind of space around you I think you know you could do that whether you're in and I, I apologize to the people of Nebraska but whether you're in Nebraska or New Zealand you know <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder if the people make a difference too the people in your work environment are obviously very supportive of the adventures that you take do you have people in your environment at home that are also equally as supportive do you have people around you who say yes rather than no my husband does. My husband's a yes sayer as well. Um, but he only came into my life a couple of years ago. So for the most part, it was just me. And I, I also reached a point in my life where a lot of my friends were getting married and having children and getting mortgages and they had different priorities than I did. So a lot of it was saying yes to yourself and supporting yourself in that respect. It's wonderful when you have people around you in your life that say yes. And I've got I've got a great group of friends. They're scattered everywhere, but a great group of friends who are always excited about my adventures and, and I'm always excited to hear what they're up to in their adventures. But having my husband at hand and when I say, great, we're, we're going to go do this uh, hike this weekend or going to Newey this weekend or we're going to go do the, he, he just kind of, all right, sounds great, rolls with it. So <laughs> that makes things really easy. Carrie, what does it feel like when you know it's time for an adventure? So for my listeners at home, many will be introverted. Many will be very home-based and feel nice and secure in their comfort zone. What is it that they are looking for within themselves that is telling them that it's time for them to step out and try something new? I think there's a positive sign and then there's a negative sign. So the positive sign is this kind of almost like an upwelling inside of you, right behind your sternum that makes you want to sit up. It could be from a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset or bird song or a song that comes on. Right, You don't know what's going to set it off, but you almost feel this call. And mm. in the old, in the olden days, that's the thing that would have taken us out to see, you know, to, to, to go off and explore. Nowadays, it's really easy to quell it and say, but I have to load the dishwasher. I have to do this. I have to do that. Listen to that upwelling. Listen mm. to that. If you're, if you're almost physically rising to meet something, use it as a sign that you're being called to an adventure and heed it plan something even if again even if it's just a weekend trip don't postpone it don't go and load the dishwasher plan something to take a thing you know like okay i'm feeling this swell and i i, I want to do something so immediately sit down and say okay well what can i do and, mm. and and take a look at it is it a bigger have you been having more of these upwellings more regularly then you probably want up want to send yourself off on a bigger adventure. If it's a small one or, or just kind of a little bit of a jolt, then just plan something that's going to that's going to nourish you that weekend, something that's going to 
nourish that sense of adventure, that spirit. The negative one is a little bit more worrying and a little bit more of an immediate call to action. It's either this kind of boredom where you find that you're almost banging around your house, going Mm. from one thing to the next, and you're not concentrating, you're kind of almost kind of circling, pacing. Like if you actually stop to think about it, you'll, you'll have the image of an animal in a cage. You're just kind of pacing around. And if you find yourself doing more snarky comments on social media, that's another worrying sign. Oh. You see something and you've got this immediate negative response. That means that you're starting to get into this no, no, no frame of mind. And it's it's the best way to do out of that. Plan something immediately. Book a trip. Plan an adventure. Decide that you're going to train for something. Like do it. Do it now. Because otherwise you're just going to start to get into the cycle of it's going to fall into the too hard basket really too quickly, too easily, and, and it's, it's much harder to get out of. So pay attention to those little signs as well. If you're kind of pacing around your own house, or if you find yourself reacting negatively, you're you're mad that somebody cut you off in traffic, you're frustrated that the coffee machine isn't working at work, the elevator's out, and bloody hell, you have to take the stairs, or, or you're, yeah. you're being snarky with people. Those are all signs that you need to shift your perspective and you need to do it quickly. And mm-hmm. adventure and travel are one of the best ways to get yourself out of your own skin. Incredibly wise insights there, Carrie. Thank you so much. Final question. It's one that I ask all my guests on the Eudaimonia podcast. Can you recommend a morning reminder? So this can be a ritual, a practice, an affirmation, something that can help my listeners inject a little bit more adventure into their lives. First of all, I love that question, and I think it's wonderful that you do that because uh, there, you can you can learn so much from everybody's little kind of quirks and ritualistic habits. And there's two rituals that I have during the day. The first is I begin the day by writing down three things that I'm grateful for. And I actually write it down. Mm-hmm. I don't just sit and think about it. I write it down because it helps set the mindset for the day, that the day is is full of opportunity and full of wonder and full of things to, to be thankful for. And that the world is this wonderful place worth exploring. And that's one that I actually use a lot is I'm grateful that the, I, that the world is a wonderful place that I can explore. It just kind of helps set the day for this, like, right, we're going to go off and tackle the day rather than rolling out of bed and being tired and, and kicking it off that way. So, yeah, so every day I start the day with writing down three things I'm grateful for. And I finish every day by reading a good book because reading has stayed with me all that time. And I still get the same sense of adventure from reading books like Lord of the Rings, Jack London, mm. Jane Goodall, um, Roald Dahl, you know, you, you, MMK, you, you read these these books and they, they make you want to live life harder. And I choose a book, actually, not uh, an electronic device because electronic device to me is work. And so if I'm reading something on an electronic device, I switch into work mode, whereas a book has... Um, a heft to it. There's something quite ritualistic about turning the pages. There's the smell of it, everything. I love everything about it. And so I finished the day with a good life adventure story. And uh, and to me, that's, that's how I like to bookend my day. That's truly wonderful. Carrie Miller, how can people get a hold of you? You have a new book that was just released earlier this year. And obviously, you do a lot of writing for National Geographic and beyond. If people want to find you, where should they go? Well, so the the book that's just been released by National Geographic is called 100 Dives of a Lifetime, um, the world's ultimate 
underwater destinations, and that's available on Amazon. If they want to find me, my website is www.carrieink.co.nz, and that's C-A-R-R-I-E-I-N-K, like ink like the pen. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Carrie Miller Writer. And my husband and I, our adventure is The Dive Travelers on Instagram and Facebook, and that's also with one L, the American spelling of travelers. Well, for those who are looking to inject just a little bit more adventure in their lives, I'm sure they'll find something incredibly inspiring on all of those places. Carrie Miller, such a delight to have you with me, and I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. American businessman Drew Houston once said, instead of trying to make your life perfect, Give yourself the freedom to make it an adventure and go ever upward. You've been listening to the Eudaimonia podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how to live a truly flourishing life, please subscribe and check out eudaimoniapod.com for more inspiring episodes. I'm Kim Forrester. Until next time, be well, be kind to yourself and make your life an adventure. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.